0: Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible handy, I want you to hold two spots, one in Micah chapter 6 and one in James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at those in just a sec. If you're joining us for the first time, we are finishing a powerful series called Force of Habit. And as the title suggests, what we're saying is, is that our personal habits are forces in our lives. They shape our hearts our habits show our hearts. And the question that we have been answering in this series is what habits does God want us to develop? And so we've been looking in God's word and discovering what those are and specifically what those habits that he wants us to develop uh, involve. And why is that important for you and I today as we finish up this series? Well, here's a few reasons. The right habits are life-giving. The right habits are help us build the right life. The right habits help us establish integrity through consistency. All right, the right habits get us ready for eternity. Uh, And here's a big one. The right habits get us closer to God and people, fulfilling the great commandment, love God and love people. Can't do that unless you have the right habits. And here's a biggie, especially in this cultural moment and in this hour of history, the right habits help us participate in God's kingdom plan on earth. So those are some of the reasons why uh, your habits right now are super important. And so if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to this series. My encouragement is for you to go back and watch parts one through five, all right? So today we're going to do what we always do. We're going to get God's mind on our habits and lifestyle in Him. And then we're going to look at the final habit that he wants us to develop. So if you have downloaded notes in front of you, take a look at the top of the first page. Here is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Let's look at that. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What's what's the Bible speaking to? What What has the Lord shown us? He's shown us a lifestyle that he wants us to live that's composed of three main habits that have multiple, multiple expressions in the big and small spaces of our lives. What are those? He wants us to act justly. What does that mean? It means that we give what is due in a given situation. Compassion is due in a given situation, we give compassion, that's acting justly. Protection is due in a given situation, we give protection. That's acting, acting justly. If love is, is due in a given situation, then that's acting justly if we give love. If provision is needed in a given situation, then we provide uh, what's needed. That's acting justly. If discipline, okay, is needed in a given situation, we give discipline. Uh, then it says to love mercy, all right? That's a, that's a lifestyle. Forgiven people forgive, all right? Jesus said, Forgive one another as I have forgiven you, right? So we set aside justice in some situations, and we give mercy, right? Mercy triumphs over judgment. We're going to read about that in James 2. And then it says to walk humbly with our God, all right? So that's a lifestyle that has habits in it. That's what I want you to see. Then we move to James chapter 2, and we see more of God's mind, all right? It says this, speak... And act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, there's two things that I want you to see. One is is the call to speak and act. all right, As those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. The man of God knows his future in God. Knowing his future in God determines his present actions in God. So we're making choices every day, we're developing habits, we're speaking, we're acting, right, habitually in light of our relationship with God. The second thing I want you to see is that it says, by the law that gives freedom. So we live for an audience of one, okay, and we're only accountable to him, but like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I'm a slave to everyone. So even though I'm free, right, I'm speaking and acting as someone who belongs to God and to all the other people that are around us. And that includes extending God's mercy because I have been shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment is God's business, right? He's the one who's going to bring that and is his character enables him to do that. My job on planet earth, my job is to give mercy. He'll do the judging, I give the mercy on earth. And then finally, let's go to the gospels. Let's go to Luke chapter six, verse 46. And Jesus says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? So Jesus is observing this nasty habit that men who claim faith in him are doing on a consistent basis. And it's not listening to what he says. And he's connecting identity, right? Their identity with their lifestyle. What's the lifestyle supposed to look like? The lifestyle of acting in line with his word, all right? So you see in the Bible that your habits reflect a few things. And let's summarize what we just read with some truth statements, all right? Truth statement number one, my habits reflect my awareness of God. Either you're aware That God is who he says he is and God is with you and God is omnipresent and God is omniscient and God sees everything and he sees past your image and right into your heart or not. And you're living out of that. So my habits reflect my awareness of God. In Micah, it says, walk humbly with your God. And so God's calling us to be aware of him. Second, my habits reflect my future before God. You notice in the James 2 passage, it says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged, right? So we have limited time. We have an unknown ending, and we have a scheduled meeting before God. That's supposed to shape your habits, how you speak and how you act on a moment by moment on a daily basis, okay? And then you have Jesus who is making an identity statement and that's the third summary statement that we want to write down right now my habits reflect my identity in god your habits and your energy are commanded by your truest identity all right and that's what jesus is calling on the carpet right here right there's men claiming that their truest identity is in him but then he's calling them on the carpet because their habits and energy say something else all right so my habits reflect my identity in God. So that's God's mind on habits and lifestyle in him for part six. Now let's look at the next specific habit that God wants us to develop. And that is the habit of connecting with men who believe, right? Now, if you've experienced that on a consistent basis, you know the power of that habit. And what I want us to do is I want us to layer what we've talked about And then we're going to stack on top of it this last habit that encapsulates and helps all the other habits along. So the first habit we talked about was putting God first. All right. So we got the habit that forms our lifestyle of putting God first. Then we set on top of that the habit of listening and responding to God's voice every day and on a moment-by-moment basis. So we're putting God first. We're listening and responding to God. Then... There's the habit of God dependency versus self-sufficiency, okay? We're depending desperately on God, vine and branch on a daily basis, right? Then last week, we talked about the habit of meeting with God. So stack on top of that, all right, putting God first, listening and responding to his voice, Uh, the habit of God dependency versus self-sufficiency, right? The habit of meeting with God And then you you put this last habit that God wants us to develop, men, the habit of connecting with other men who believe. Now, I want you to take a look at the notes, really important. We're going to see some powerful truths on this next habit, all right? The first one comes from 2 Timothy 2.22, and it's a man-to-man discussion between Coach Paul, right, and uh, and his, his number one player, Timothy. So, Coach Paul is telling Timothy, hey man, you want to get to the end zone of life in God? Here's what you need to do. Listen to this. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want you to take note, and if you have your notes, just circle three words. Circle flee, circle pursue, and circle with all right and then let's just summarize right there on your notes some some truth statements about what we just read from scripture about the habit of connecting with other men who believe so what does paul say to his buddy timothy what's god saying right now number one saying run from sin all right your identity all right in christ encourages you and energizes you to run from sin. Flee the evil desires of youth. Now, the context of this passage is that is that Timothy is in Ephesus. Ephesus was kind of like the sin city of the first century. All right, so these are words for a man of God living in a culture that has a lot of temptation in it. Can you relate? So flee the evil desires of youth. So there's your no. And then Paul says, and pursue. So there's a no, but my no leads me to a yes, all right? Pursue these end zones, all right? I'm going to call them these goals of the faith. Righteousness, living the right way, faith, trusting God, love, right? Sacrificially, peace, all right? So there's the no in a culture filled with temptation. Run from sin. Number two, write this down. Run to God. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So as I'm saying no to sin, I'm replacing it with running toward God, pursuing God. Now here's the catch. He says, do it with other men who believe, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Run with other men who believe. So write that down. Run from sin, run to God, run with other men. All right, that's the play we're running, guys, right now. That's the word of the Lord. Right now, in your life, this morning, God's saying, run from sin, all right, wherever you see actions and attitudes that are not in alignment with the person of Christ, the work of Christ in your life, the word of God, you run from that, but run toward God, replace it, all right, with God's plan, all right, say no to the world's plan, the flesh's plan, and the devil's plan, say yes to God's plan, run toward God, pursue, all right, give energy to, invest in. God's plan, but do it with other men who believe, along with those who call out on the Lord from the pure heart. So, here's your last fill-in under 2 Timothy 2.22. It's a command. What I want you to see is that um, this command of Scripture is in the imperative mood, and it's in the present tense. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, all right, flee. It's a command, and keep on fleeing. Pursue God and keep pursuing God, right? And do it with brothers and keep doing it with brothers who believe. You can't be any more clear. And so we have to look at it, not as a consideration or not like, oh yeah, you know, what Kenny was talking about this morning was really great. No, the word of God says that pursuing other men of faith on a regular basis and connecting with them is a command, right? So what does it involve, all right? Well, look at your next verse, Proverbs 2.20. Let's read that together. Thus, you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of righteousness. This is like a restatement, but in the Old Testament, of what Paul is trying to get across to Timothy, all right? There's a way to be, a way to believe, and a way to behave as a man in culture, and there's a way to be, believe, and behave as a man of God, all right? And the Bible says, you got to walk in the ways. What are ways? They're habits. Ways are habits. Ways are practices. And those habits and practices build a lifestyle. And what's the result? You stay on the path. All right? And headed toward your goals in God. It's modeling in community those ways and adopting those ways, staying on God's path. Now, I'm going to say something that I say all the time. I've been saying it for 30 years. Men become men in the company of other men. All right. Men of faith become stronger men of faith in the company of other men of faith. All right. When we get together with other men of faith, all right, what should that involve? All right. Now, let's look at Uh, what should be happening when we connect with other men of faith. First thing it involves, spiritual friendship involves frequency, right? This makes perfect sense, right? Uh, Just like uh, an athletic team practices, if they practice frequently and they drill, they do pretty good. If they practice infrequently and they don't drill, they don't do good. We all know this, that, that frequency increases quality in anything, all right? So if you want to increase the quality of your relationships with God and people, you have to get together with other men who believe on a frequent basis. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the way God looks at your life is that this is like a two-minute drill, all right? It's a vapor. It's a mist. It goes fast. You don't know how long you're going to be around. But while you're here, God wants you to hold on to the hope that you have in Christ, and he wants you to be in community with other believers, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. But in order for those two things to happen, you got to be getting together on a regular basis and don't get in the habit of not getting together. You see, when you're on the precipice of like, should I go to that men's group or should I go to that meeting? You know who starts sending the mortars into your spirit and sending the missiles, the flaming missiles of the enemy toward you? The devil. Why? Because he knows what's going to go on right? Your hope is going to grow. Your commitment to God is going to grow. You're going to encourage other people. Their hope in God is going to grow. Their commitment is going to grow. So that's why we feel that tension before we go to church, before we go to to men's group, all right? So the Bible says that you need to meet in order to get that encouragement and hope in God that increases your commitment. All right. Talks about this, this practice, this habit in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42. Listen to the habit of strong believers. It says this they were continually, all right, circle that word, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So, what you see is life in God in a community of God's people. All right? And so when you see Peter and the 12 stand in Acts two fourteen, and Peter stood with the 11, verse 14, and then there's this movement that breaks out through spirit-empowered men. All right? God's love and justice starts coming to a city. How do they keep that going? Well, they're continually refueling themselves by getting into the word, the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship and to breaking bread, amen. They're eating together, all right? Can I get any amen on that one? Breaking bread and to prayer, all right? They're talking with God. They're seeking God. That's a good men's group, all right? Word, fellowship, camaraderie, eating, seeking God, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what you read about in Acts chapter two. The fuel cell for that, is meeting with other men who believe. Now, I want to take you to Acts 13 because this movement described in the birth of the church of men being filled with God's spirit, men becoming dangerous with goodness and bringing God's love and justice to people, getting refueled by their connection with one another and then going out and then coming back and getting refueled and going out, right? Uh, What we see in the very first church in Antioch is a men's group in Acts chapter 13. Talks about that men's group uh, in verses 1 through 3. The congregation, that's everybody, in Antioch was blessed with a number of prophet preachers and teachers. Right, Barnabas, Simon, nicknamed Niger, Lucius the Cyrenian, Menaean, an advisor to the ruler Herod, Saul. One day they were worshiping God they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. The Holy Spirit spoke, take Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work I have called them to do. So they commissioned them. In that circle of intensity and obedience of fasting and praying, they laid hands on their heads and sent them off. What a powerful picture of a group of guys from different backgrounds different gift sets, all right, even different cultures, all right, and they're coming together in this fellowship of spirit empowering and seeking God, and look at what happens when they get together to seek God, fast, pray, God starts talking to that group, and then the meeting goes to a whole different dimension, and the Holy Spirit starts speaking and then men are commissioned and called, and then they're deployed. You don't think God wants you to be in a men's group. You're crazy. Why? Because men together, all right, is more powerful than men doing Lone Ranger Christianity. The Holy Spirit came, and the connection grew from just with one another. They were connecting with God as they were connecting with one another, right? If you're not in a men's group, that's what you're missing out on, all right? The Holy Spirit invading, the Holy Spirit speaking, the Holy Spirit moving, the Holy Spirit calling, and that's why in this cultural moment, it is so important, God all around the world is calling men together. And just stay tuned to this global live stream, because we'll be launching Virtual Table, which takes away all excuses from all men all over the world. You're going to be able to get together with one another, whether you're in Sydney, Tokyo, New York... LA, Atlanta, Boston. Men are gonna be getting together on the Everyman platform. They're gonna be experiencing the global live stream and other studies in God's word together. They're gonna to be discussing together. Stay tuned for virtual table because it's gonna enforce the principle of frequency. The second thing that connecting with men who believe involves is proximity, all right? That's just a word that means close, okay? Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. But I want you to listen for the application, all right? It says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, in men's ministry, you hear this, this verse all the time, but very few guys really understand what it means. It's not two swords coming together like that, you know, and a rah-rah thing. It's a sharpening stone and a blade. Got the picture? Okay, so some of you hunters out there right? You know what a sharpening stone is. And you know, when you got a field dress, a kill or, or something, dull blade, bad experience, right? So before you go hunting, you take out that little, out of that little pocket, that little square stone, and you start shaping the blade. Why? Because it needs to be sharp. Why does it need to be sharp? Because it needs to perform in your hand. What is God saying in this moment, men? He's saying, guys, you need to get next to, and there needs to be some friction, some true closeness with other men of God. Why? Because your blade needs to be sharp right now. Your your blade can't be dull. You are a blade in my hand, and it's time to perform. If you're frustrated, if you're stagnating, God is saying to you right now, you need to be in a men's group and you need to get up against some other men who believe so that they can help shape your blade. Now, I'm going to say something very direct and I know, you know, the Lord's speaking right now and he's saying to hundreds of men right now, you need to assess your friendships and you need to assess them using God's filter. And God's filter is, do my friendships sharpen my blade of faith? And I'm not saying you don't have other friends who don't believe, but you got to be sharp for when, with your, when you're with your unbelieving friends. All right, You got to be secure in your identity, and you got to have the word of God in you, and these ways of being and believing set through your connection and circle of men in your life. Look at what David says in Psalm 101. Just one word of context. David went from watching sheep in a field to the palace. He's king of Israel. And there's been this incredible journey. So you think, oh my gosh, the guy's climbed the ladder. He's at the top. What does he need at the top to stay on top? He says it in Psalm 101. He says, my eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. What's David looking for as a leader wanting to sustain his good leaderships? He needs men of faith. My eyes are on the faithful in the land. Who's faithful to God? Who's faithful to God? And I need him and him and him and him that they may dwell with me the one whose walk right his habits that form his walk is blameless will minister to me okay so a good leader a great leader one of the greatest leaders in the bible he wants to stay a good leader right what's the key to that he needs other men of faith pouring into his life and giving him advice that is the lifestyle that god is calling us i don't i don't care if you, i don't care what you do for your profession If you're a guy and you're watching this, you're leading. You say, Kenny, I'm not a leader. Oh, yes, you are. Are you in relationship with people? You're leading one way or the other, good or bad, faithful or unfaithful. If you're a dad, you're a leader. If you're a husband, you're a leader. If you're an employee, you're a leader. If you're around people, you're a leader. You're a leader. You're called to shine the light of Christ. And that's how God's people lead. But we need to be close to each other. So... Spiritual friendship, all right, connecting with other guys. What's supposed to be happening there? Regularity, frequency, and we got to be close. We got to be in each other's lives, all right? Not a texting relationship, not a Zoom relationship, but we actually have to be close to another. David says he wants other men of faith to dwell with him. Number three, spiritual friendship involves transparency. Here we go, fellas. Here we go. This is a fist fight inside the spirit of a man. Can he be honest with God? Can he be honest with himself? Here's the real test. Can he be honest about what's really going on with other men? And I'll tell you, Satan has a huge stake in this when it comes to when men get together, they will either posture and project their image and then hide their pressures or they will share the pressures that they are facing on the inside and get help. One situation, guy doesn't get any help because he's posturing and projecting his image. The other one is sharing his pressures and he's getting helped. Look at what it says here in Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. You know what the Bible says about your secrets? Whatever you can't talk about is already controlling you. You're making decisions based on your secrets in the presence of others. You're hiding something. It's controlling your life. And the Bible says that, if you conceal versus do what God says, which is reveal what's really going on, um, you're not gonna prosper. And I don't know one guy listening to me right now who doesn't want to prosper, who doesn't want to do better, who doesn't want to be successful, right? Who doesn't want more good things to happen in his life, right, you're keeping a secret, that's not gonna happen. But if you confess and forsake what it is that you don't like that you're doing, right, in the presence of people, guess what you get? Compassion. You know what? I've been ministering to men for 30 years. I've been in so many men's meetings. And when one dude has the courage, let's just say he's got the, you know, to tell where, really, where he's really at, man, the whole mood changes. In the room, at the table, one-on-one. man, That guy is risking reality. And he says, you know what? I haven't told anybody this before, but this is what's really going on in my marriage. This is what I'm really struggling with on my computer, on my phone. This is what's happening in my finances. And he puts it out there. And you know what? Every guy just goes, yeah, I can relate relate to that. I've been there. I am there, right? I have received through the Everyman Conference um, network probably 500 to 700,000 responses to the conference. And you know what the number one comment is? It's not Kenny Luck was a really good speaker. You know, It was I didn't know that I wasn't alone. How about that? I didn't know that I was not alone. That I was the only person going through this. And you see how crazy that is? That everybody in the room is going through the same stuff and yet because of our pride and because of our fear, we can't practice simple transparency and confession with one another. That is a spiritual battle, man. And if, you're, if you've are if you got a secret that's controlling your life, you've got a clear word. If you want to prosper, if you want to break the power of the, the secret, if you want help, right, you need to talk to God about it and you need to talk to other men about it because then they can help you and you'll find compassion. Look at what it says in James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, All right, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Wow. I want that healing, but I can't get it. I want that breakthrough, but I can't get it, All right? I want that freedom, but I can't get it unless I'm talking to God and I'm talking to people. Some people think, well, if I just talk to God about it, that's enough. No, that's for spiritual healing. All right. You talk to God about it for practical and emotional healing. all right? So I don't know if you're in a men's group, and I don't know what's going on in that men's group, but if transparency isn't going on. You don't have a men's group, the kind that God wants, and that's securing... The breakthroughs. In my men's group, I remember I was at a point where it was like, you know what? We talk about politics. We talk about sports. We talk about gadgets, technology, all these things. And I had issues. I had struggles. And I just said one day, I walked to the men's group and I said, you know what? I'm quitting. I got to find a new men's group. And Everybody was like, what? You're the men's guy. I'm like, I have big time struggles I need to talk about. And we spend an hour talking about jibber jabber sports. And and I got to talk about my life and I need your help changed the nature of of the men's group. we got real men. And in getting real, it got powerful. All right. So spiritual friendship involves uh, the principles and the practices of frequency, proximity, transparency. Next, spiritual friendship involves unity. Write that down. Put that in the filling. All right. And the, you'll see in the Bible that unity amongst brothers is directly linked to your personal unity in Christ. Listen to the Apostle Paul uh, talk in Philippians chapter 2. Let's read that together. Therefore, if you, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, okay, there's the relationship you have with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, right? Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So Paul is saying, hey, man of God, believer, are you united with Christ? And does your relationship with him create for you this comfort from his love and this sharing and witness of spirit? And does your relationship with Jesus, you know, does it, it cause tenderness and compassion to come to you, right? and then he transitions and he says, well, if you have that, if you're united with Christ, then you should be united with your fellow believing man or fellow believers. Then make my joy complete by, listen to what he says, being like-minded, same love, one in spirit, one mind. Right? We're thinking the same. Right? We have the same love because we've been loved by God. All right, we're one in spirit. All right? We have we we have that stacking of hands on the inside, all right? We're together. All right? Not just and united, not just together in label, but actually together in spirit. We're clicking, right? And of one mind. Our thinking is the same because our life in God reflects the word of God, we're committed to the thoughts of God and the ways of God, and that gives us one mind toward life and relationships. Okay? Now, that kind of unity can't happen unless you're connecting with other men who believe. And how does how does uh, God feel about that? Right? What does God do when he sees that? Talks about that. In one of my favorite psalms for men, uh, which is Psalm 133. It says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. it's as, it's as if the dew of Herman were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life for forevermore. And so, The Bible is talking about unity, living together in unity, and then it starts getting into this picture, all right? And the picture is of two godly men, Moses and Aaron, all right, and they're connecting and something's happening, all right? Moses and Aaron are connecting. One man is consecrating another man to be God's man, and there's this picture of oil. It's like oil flowing down and Moses is putting the oil of God's presence, pouring that oil. It's going on his head, down his beard and onto his collar, right? So two men, two godly men, one consecrating another to God. And it's like God's presence, the oil of the presence flows onto the man who is with this other man of faith. What does God do? God commands a blessing to fall in that context. Guys, I'm telling you, if you want more blessing in your life, then you need to connect on a regular basis with other men who believe. It delights the heart of God. It brings God's presence more personally and powerfully into your existence. And then you're going to experience God commanding blessing and life. Count on it. Read Psalm 133, put it on a postcard. That's what happens when men get together. That's why we're so passionate at every man, We don't want one of you to experience or not experience God's power and God's blessing, which is why everything that we do involves an experience with Jesus and other men, because it all comes together when we're, when we're clicking as a team. So, spiritual friendship involves frequency. Spiritual friendship involves proximity, all right? Closeness, dwelling together. Spiritual friendship involves unity, all right? We all have a relationship with Christ, which gives us unity on all these things, and we think alike, all right? Spiritual friendship now involves, and this is the toughest one of all, accountability, all right? Accountability. That means that we give permission to another person to confront us when they see that our activity is not aligned with our identity. The same way Jesus confronted the people following him. That in him as team members, what we're saying is, dude, you're running plays outside the playbook. Dude, that does not honor God. dude." You need to repent, change your mind about that. That's not who you are. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 27 verses five and six says, "Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. All right? Do you see the picture? Loving someone enough to tell the truth, Loving someone enough not to leave them the way they are, which is in rebellion or in sin, and loving them enough to say, that's wrong, and this is what God says. And you might wound them because you're confronting them, but you know what? It's wounds from a true friend. Can be trusted, all right? You know what the difference is between an assassin with a blade in his hand, and a surgeon with a blade in his hand? Intent. The difference between an assassin and a surgeon is intent. The assassin is gonna stab you to kill you, all right? The surgeon is also gonna stab you, all right? It's called a cut, but it's not to kill you. It's a cut to heal. And this is the difference between a true friend and a trusted friend and someone who's not. The Bible says that your friends can actually be enemies if they're flatterers. They just you're so great, bravo, you're the best. That's all you ever hear. You know, they're multiplying kisses, all right? Versus, you know, every now and then they're going, "Dude, I noticed something and, you know, the way you tr- you treat your wife or I noticed how you talk to her or how you talk to your kid. And I have been confronted by my friends and I can't tell you how grateful I am that they did that because you know what, just like a surgeon, he cuts to heal, he goes in, you know, they corrected what was wrong. God used them, another man of faith to just kind of point something out and it stung my pride. But in faith, I listened and man, things got better and things healed, right? Spiritual friendship involves accountability. Look at what it says in Psalm 4, 140 one five Again, King David writing these words, he says, Let a righteous man strike me. Bam! <laughs> Think about that. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. Bam! Right? That is oil. Remember, oil? Oil on my head. That's God. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds, habits, actions of evildoers. Guys, you need men of faith in your life not to tell you what you need to hear or to tell you, tell you what you want to hear, sorry, but what you need to hear, all right? Let a righteous man, sorry, let a man of good character, a man of integrity, a man of faith, all right? Let him confront me. That's true kindness. That's true love because he's risking putting the friendship and connection on the line. Let him rebuke me. Not in his authority, not because he's better than you, but in the authority of God and the authority of his word. That's oil on my head. Do you see the picture? Remember, we looked at Psalm 133 and oil and the oil of the presence. Oil is a sign of the presence of God. All right? So, man, we have to give other guys permission in our lives to look at us. And if they see anything, that doesn't honor God, show love for God, or show love for people, you're inviting them, hey, you know what? I want you to step in and I want you to tell me, right? Because I don't want to become some guy who has friends who don't have the courage and faith to tell me the truth, and then I become an evildoer. I'm against those behaviors and those habits, right? So here's my question. Look at your notes. Who are you running the race of eternal life with. First Corinthians chapter nine, it talks about that race of eternal life says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Do you see the picture of the man running his eternal race, which we're all running right now? It ends in God, and we want to win. We want well done, good and faithful servant, but... That means that in the present right now, that hope of well done, good, and faithful involves disciplining our body, developing habits, training to win, and acting purposefully and intentionally, and we got to start landing. You know, I love um, Paul's landings. I'm not shadow boxing, all right? I'm not, I'm not beating the air. No, I'm landing punches, and isn't that the measure in a good boxing match? Punches thrown, punches landed, and I'm speaking to hundreds and hundreds of men right now. Your habits are throwing punches, and they're not landing in an eternal way that is going to transform your life. You're throwing punches, thinking that this this habit that's rooted in culture or rooted in what you think will get you to where you are. It's not getting you where you are. It's like shadow boxing. If you want to land punches and run the way race to win, you gotta develop habits. And that's what this series has been all about. And this last habit of connecting with other men who believe, I can't emphasize it enough, right? Paul and Timothy, Jonathan and David, Elisha and Elijah, all right? There's there's multiple examples, Jesus and the disciples and on and on and on and on, iron sharpening iron. Let's go to just a little film In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 20, two guys, two men of God, all right, connecting. Listen to these words, all right, from Jonathan to David. It says this, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. We have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So what do you have? You have two guys that were separated two guys that are connected, and they were in the habit of, they had to separate because they had to go do their lives, but then they they always got better, got back together for a connection and friendship, right, in the name of the Lord, so it was a spiritual friendship, and then there was this accountability that they had with each other, and Jonathan said to David, you know what, David, the Lord, he's a witness between me and you, and that's what seals this friendship, that's what guides this friendship. That's what energizes this friendship. And not just between me and you, but between your family and my family, your descendants and my descendants forever. Okay, so this is an eternal thing, but what an awesome picture. So question, who is it that you can say in your life, the Lord is the Lord's a witness between me and him. He sharpens me. He's close to me we're united we're transparent we confess our our struggles and our pressures and our problems and our temptations we get together every week who can you say that about we'll hear it every man we want this to be your tool to do that every time we get together on the men's global live stream we get into God's word and we have a discussion and the questions that we design for this time together are intended to get you honest, get you connecting with other men, and get you moving forward in God. So I'm going to close uh, this series and this session in prayer. Uh, let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you that you want us to develop the right habits. And Lord, as I think back over this series and how you really want us to build a lifestyle that is that has... Lots of healthy, good, life-giving habits that really help us to build the right life. God, I'm so grateful today for you showing me the right habits that I need to develop, the habit of putting you first in everything, seeking the kingdom first. Lord, the habit of listening and responding to your voice in Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through circumstances, God, not listening and giving you the Heisman. God, thank you for showing me that you want me God-dependent versus self-sufficient, that you're the vine and I'm the branch and nothing can happen apart from you, God. Thank you for encouraging me to meet with you, God, that you're waiting for me every day and in every moment. And right now, I know I'm speaking to guys in every pressure. So Lord, I thank you that you're available And that you want to meet with us and speak with us as one speaks to a friend. Lord, thank you for encouraging us in this series to connect with other men. God, we have a team. We have an army on planet Earth. Lord, I pray for the 700 million men on Earth that name the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would unite, that we would fellowship, that we would have circles of passion and commitment and worship and fasting And obedience, like that first men's group at the church at Antioch in Acts 13, Lord. So that your power could fall, so that your call could come, so the Holy Spirit could be poured out into those meetings and then go to the world like it did in that first men's group. So Lord, we want to run to win. And that's going to involve running from sin, running to you, and running with other men. So Lord, right now... In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of his resurrection, I declare spiritual winds today for men listening. God, good Lord, where in, every, in every area of their life, I declare winds today. I declare movements of men in community. I declare the defeat of sin and the unleashing of blessing as your men, filled with your spirit, come together on a regular basis and get refueled and repowered and then go out to to spread blessing and benediction to the world in this hour in Jesus name and God's men said amen god bless you have a great week and we'll see you next Thursday